Welcome to the Magnificat Podcast. We are an international ministry to Catholic women. Throughout the series, we will pray together, share insights, and hear amazing testimonies, typically from women of faith who have been touched by the power of the Lord in their lives. This is a decidedly Catholic podcast, and in this series, you will hopefully learn more about the Catholic faith, God, the Blessed Mother, and much more. Thanks so much for joining us. Now let's listen to a great program. Good morning. (laughs) I want to thank you all for coming. I know you're chosen by God to be here. Let's start with prayer. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Oh, loving Father, we thank you and praise you for this beautiful morning. But most of all, we want to thank you for sending your only beloved Son, Jesus, into this world so that we may have eternal life with you. Open our ears to hear you this morning and open our hearts to receive your message. Fill each one of us with your Holy Spirit. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. You know, many of my friends were surprised when they found out that I'm a convert. I wasn't baptized as a baby like many of you here. I was born in Shanghai, China, and both my parents were Buddhist. In fact, my mother was very devout Buddhist. And they had 10 children, and I'm number eight. I'm the youngest daughter and everyone's favorite. So I was born very much loved. But when I was growing up, I did not know the name Jesus. I don't know God either. But God knows us, and he has his eyes and love for my family from day one. Because in 1948, my father just happened to be on a business trip and in Hong Kong, you know, Hong Kong used to belong to the British colony. So over there, you have freedom of speech. And from the newspaper, my father found out that China was gradually became communist. In fact, it was very much in danger of becoming communist. And right away, he sent a telegram to my two uncles who were staying with us in this big house. We lived in a huge house in Shanghai. Please come to Hong Kong as soon as possible. And I want all the children out. So all of us had a little suitcase and we left Hong Kong like overnight, weekend away. We didn't realize that shortly after we left, the door of China closed for the next 30 some years. And my two uncles regretted ever since that they did not listen to my father. You see how God already knew that this was going to happen. Without my father's business, we would never have left out and would have been there. And my, one of my aunts was very devout Buddhist. And religion and communism doesn't go together. She was severely punished in a concentration or hard working camp. So can you imagine the Christians over there? 
they suffer even more. Well, shortly we moved to Hong Kong for a few years. Then the Korean War started. And my father thought, hmm, Hong Kong is right next to China. It could happen here too. So, with the help of a priest, he was able to get visa to go to Brazil. You wonder why Brazil? <laughs> Brazil is 99% Catholic, especially at that time. And they welcome immigrants. And the priest told my father, you know, if you were Catholic, they would let you in easier. <laughs> so my father thought, yes, it's so important. I want all 10 children to be safe. So he was baptized by name only. But this is a footnote to let you know how wonderful our God is. At the end, even my mother at 90 years old was baptized. And all 10 children, except my oldest brother, who still is living his own lifestyle. But I know at his deathbed, he'll be converted too. <laughs> because all his children are Christians already. So there's hope. Anyway, when we moved to Brazil, the three of us, me and my two brothers, we went to the Brazilian Catholic school. Why Catholic school? Because they're better than a private school. And education is very important for my father. He only had um, grade school. He did not have money to go beyond. But he was a self-made man. So we went to the best Catholic school. I went to a French nun with a big hat, like the flying nun. I'm sure you saw on TV. And my two brothers, they went to Jesuit school. And very soon, the Jesuit priest, aha! He has three pagan children, not baptized yet. <laughs> so he asked us to get permission from our parents to be baptized. We asked, and my parents says, you are too young. I was 12, my brother was 10, and the youngest brother was eight. Why don't you wait till you are 18? Because this is a serious decision, you know. Wait till you're older. But God already put that love of God in our heart. We begged our parents. Can you believe it? We begged them, please, we want to be baptized. So finally, my parents relented. And on our baptism, I remember we only had one lesson with a Jesuit priest. I just want to tell you where I came from. He drew a picture of a triangle on the paper. God the Father, God the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. It's a mystery. You don't have to understand it. <laughs> you know, that's why God loves children. It's <laughs> so open. And shortly after we got um, first communion, and since I was 12 years old, I was very tall already. I had a long white dress with long veil. I looked like a bride. That was the happiest day of my life to receive the body and blood of Jesus. You know, I know so little about God, but I could talk to him like my own father. I was so close to him somehow, and I thought everything was going very well until one day I was coughing a lot, and when I noticed on my handkerchief, there was blood, and I thought, what is this? Well, see, God provided me everything before even asked 
My godfather was a medical doctor too, and he quickly diagnosed I had tuberculosis, TB. It's very common in the third world, but it's not very common in this country. And there was no cure. There was no cure. At that time, I was reading a book with St. Therese of Lisieux. You know that she died of TB at age 24, and I was only a teenager. And I was quickly quarantined in the room all to myself, and no one can come visit, even my siblings or friends. Only my parents could come to my room once in a while. So that was the most lonely time for a teenager to have no one around. And one time, even my doctor gave me a shot, thinking that would help me. Well, my whole body reacted so much that I was almost... <laughs> he, he was so scared that he stopped the treatment right away. And I, told, I thought for sure I was going to die. I remember very well one Monday morning, and I looked out the window. It was gorgeous blue sky. And I can hear kids going to school, laughing, all that, and I'm in the bed, I can barely get out. And I told God, I says, you know, I'm too young to die. I haven't even seen the world. You see, God always hears our cry. When we cry out from our soul, he listens. And I heard him say, how do I know it's God? Because he called me by name. Lily, you will see the world and God always keeps his promise. I have seen the world. Every place I want to go, I've seen. If the places I haven't been to, because I don't want to go there. <laughs> See, this is an awesome God we have. From that day on, I feel stronger and better. But because of my illness, I couldn't go to school for the longest time. And see, whenever a big trauma happened to your life, you know that God is doing something great. What happened is that my parents had decided to put three of us in Brazil while all my older brothers and sisters left home, went to the United States to study. But for three of us, he was thinking of us staying home. Because I was so behind in Brazilian school, well, he invited a private teacher, English, changed the language, changed the school. So I had private tutor for math and English for a year or two, I don't remember. But after that, I went to a British high school and passed the exam, and I came to this country, went to St. Mary College. My whole life changed because of that illness. St. Mary College, you know, is run by um, Sisters of Charity, and it's from Leavenworth, Kansas. My husband used to joke with his friends, Oh, my wife came from Leavenworth. For those people who do not know what's Leavenworth, Captain, they keep the worst criminal in the United States over there. So that's where I went. And during those two years that I was there, I got the best spiritual lessons. Why? Because there was a nun called Sister Mary Paul. And she invited me to her office every week. She is the one who converted all my four sisters. They were all baptized during the time they went to St. Mary College. And when I arrived there, she took me right in her arms. And she realized that I was baptized already. So, but she knew I know nothing. I just want to give you a little example of where I was. 
One afternoon, she was talking to me about heaven. She says, Lily, in heaven, you don't have to do any work. There's no more sorrow. It was pure joy. And for eternity, you'll be with God. And I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, for eternity, you want to be boring? So I asked her. <laughs> I says, would it be movies and ice cream too? <laughs> you see, she did not laugh on that. <laughs> she, she did not give up hope either. You know, I'm telling you this story because so many times we meet people, we thought, oh, he is hopeless. He's no one's hopeless. Look at me, from two years, from wanting ice cream movie to I wanted to be a missionary nun. That transformation, those two years. You see, sometimes they say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am. I say, you know, God, I'm dying to be a missionary for you. Not just any place, but go back to China. I want to convert the whole Chinese people. <laughs> so, of course, that's not God's plan because my health was so weak. I was sick all my life. I was in and out of the hospital a lot. So no convent would ever accept me as I was before. My father knew that if I stay too long as a Mary, I become a nun. And at that time, he still thought as a Buddhist, you know, didn't want to lose any daughter, and we, he wanted us to be happily married. So he sent me to Purdue University. Why Purdue? Because my brother was there, and there were 10 men to one woman. <laughs> it's a very famous engineering school. And, and arts are even better for Chinese. So I was the most popular girl there. But I told God, I says, if I cannot be a nun, then I, I want a husband with three requirements. See, we don't ask God enough. Jesus said, ask, you shall receive, right? Yes. So my first requirement is, I want my husband to be Chinese. Why Chinese? Because my parents always say, if you have similar background, similar culture, then you like the same kind of music, same kind of food, it's just easier to get along. And my parents were the most loving couple ever. All the ten brothers sisters married Chinese. It was Catholic. It has to be Catholic. I was even dating a very handsome guy at Purdue, but he was Protestant, so I knew he wasn't for me. <laughs> the third one is tall and handsome. That's just <laughs> so when I went to Cornell. Every day I went to church, and I look back, and there's a man, he looked Chinese, and he must be Catholic, he's going to church all the time, and he's pretty tall and handsome too. So he asked me out. The first day he took me to a very nice restaurant, and after dinner, the music starts, rock and roll, and he can really dance too. <laughs> So we got married at Cornell, and we have two children. And when my husband got a job in San Diego, we moved here. So my children grew up here. And while they were growing up, I did cooking classes. Why? Because I want to do um, 
at home job. In New York, I was a fashion designer. Nobody knew about that one. <laughs> but in San Diego, many people love my cooking. So one of my friends told me, why don't you start a cooking school? And I taught for 21 years. But every time I taught, my stomach would be hurting. I feel like I was having ulcer. And ulcer runs in my family. My mother had bleeding ulcer, and one of my sister and brother had bleeding ulcer also. So I thought for sure that I might have bleeding ulcer. I prayed to God. I said, oh, please, God, please show me what I'm doing that's affecting this. Please heal me. And he said, Lily, do not pray for a perfect class. Pray for each one of your students. Wow. I realized sometimes we pray with the wrong motive. Perfect class is pride. I want everything to be perfect. You see, pride causes a lot of illness too. But when I pray for each student, it's love. Love heals. And my students love me so much that one time I even dropped the whole dish on the floor and they would say, oh, even Julia Charles dropped the chicken. <laughs> you see how it is? They just lap it up and they ate it and they loved it too. You know, the power of prayer and the right motive. So while I was raising the kids, I got to travel a lot, just like God promised me. He said, I'll see the world. I'll just share a very few highlights with you. The first time I went to Lourdes was um, with my family, and we had a wonderful time in the southern part of French Provence. And my husband and his friend dropped me and my two kids at Lourdes. I was very disappointed. I thought they would come with us. No, they'd rather go to winery. <laughs> but even at that short time, from 9 to 12, a miracle happened. When we were going through the Stations of Cross, you know at Lourdes they have a beautiful Station Cross, large statues, human size, with human face. My daughter at that time was a teenager, and after we finished the Station of Cross, she told me, Mom, I think God healed my addiction to sugar. Because as a teenager, she loved desserts, cookies, and candies, and all that. She was a problem growing up teenager. She was a very smart girl, and smart girls usually get into a lot of trouble. <laughs> well, you know, God, in his big mercy, transformed her whole life. She later, at 17, became Miss Solana Beach. You see, how from a troubled kid to Miss Alana Beach, she was changed. Today, she is a COO in a company. So don't give up hope if you have teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did, never realized I got to go back to Lourdes very soon. Within a year or two, my husband got a job in France. And he says, Lily, come and visit me, and we can go around France. And I thought, wonderful, I love Paris. Just as I was about to buy the ticket, he called me up, oh, sorry, um, I have to be transferred to Taiwan for business now, but you can still come with a friend. 
So I called my friend Ginger, and two of us took the best religious tour with Penny Lloyd. I don't know if you might know that couple. They did a lot of DVDs on miracles of Eucharist. And the first place we went was Saint-Tree's Lisieux, where the house, where she lived and everything. Then we went to, of course, the Bernadette, where she stayed in this little tiny cell. And then the best part of all was the three days at Lourdes. This time, we get to do the candlelight procession. If you've never been there, this was the highlight of my trip. First night, we, Ginger and I, got the candles, and they had different languages saying the rosary as we processed to the church. It was incredible. It was like a touch of heaven. That's what heaven's all about. People all around the world singing, praising to Mary, to Jesus. It is so beautiful. So the second night, it was raining. I said, Ginger, shall we go or not go? She says, well, even if you don't go, I am going. <laughs> so we took the umbrella. Same amount of crowds, nobody, rain or shine, doesn't stop the procession. So procession goes on. It was the most beautiful trip. The third time I was at Lourdes, I even took the little bath. You know, Lourdes water is miraculous. They, if, how many of you have been to Lourdes? Only a few of you, okay. You know, the, the bath is actually a very small little pool, bigger than a bath, uh, bathtub. And you walk in, and they give you a little towel to cover yourself up. At the end of the pool, there's a statue, you kiss the Blessed Mother, and you come out. And they give you a little towel, and I dry myself. I look at my arm. You see, before I went to that trip, my arm was full of rash. I was watching tennis at La Costa, and the sun was beating on it. And I had that rash for weeks, so itchy that it wouldn't go away. But after the bath, I was totally healed. That is the water. Something about that water and that little towel, you don't even need to dry, it dries by itself. Another two trips was at Medjugorje. How many of you have been to Medjugorje? Only one, two, okay. I will share about miracle. I will share that. When we went to Medjugorje at the airport, this is my same friend, Ginger. She came with crutches. And I thought, oh, how are you going to travel? You know, I heard Medjugorje is full of rocks. At the airport, she gave her crutches to her husband. God is going to heal me. She had an accident skiing downhill and twisted her ankle. And I thought to myself, oh no, now I have to carry her the whole time. <laughs> Woman of little faith here. Anyway, you know, going there is a long trip. And then the bus ride from the airport to Medjugorje is another two, three hours. We prayed the rosary. And Sister Mary Sister Bridget McKenna was the, was the nun. After the rosary, she said in the bus, uh, God is healing someone's leg. And my friend looked at me and said, Well, 
Then, sister says, it's her right leg. It was exactly that. My friend Ginger, by the time we stepped off the bus, her leg was totally healed. We, even, we did not even get there. So, of course, there was the spinning of the sun, and one of the couple that went with us, she actually saw Blessed Mother during the operation. It's very real. But I want to share you the best thing happened to me at Medjugorje was the confession. I was very reluctant to go confession, you know, to a strange place, to a priest. But that day it just happened, nobody was lining up for a certain priest. Usually there's long lines, you have to wait in line a long time. But this priest, there was no one, so I went in. Oh my goodness, whatever he told me was like an encounter with God. It touched me so much that I came out of there crying, crying. I can just see everybody thought, oh, that poor woman didn't go to confession for years. <laughs> Most likely murdered somebody. <laughs> it wasn't. It was an encounter with God. So, Father John Stuller, I want to thank you that encouraged everyone to go to confession. You feel so light on it that go to the right priest because it is an encounter with God. You will be filled with grace. So the last trip that I want to talk to you about is the Holy Land. This, this trip was so special. We had a priest and a nun, Father Mike Murphy and Sister Grace Ann, two mighty persons. I, I just love them both. Every morning we start in a holy place where Jesus was. The first place was where he was born. And many people think that Jesus was born in a barn, right? That's how manger. No, he was born in a cave. At that time, they kept the animals in the cave. And we had a mess right in the cave. And we sang Christmas songs, everything. And then we also had a mess where Jesus was died and buried inside the tomb. We had candles all squeezing in the tomb. It was the most beautiful trip, but the most memorable was by the Sea of Galilee. It wasn't in the church or anywhere, but right in the open where Jesus actually stood and the disciples. We had mess on the rock with the white cloth, and during communion, God talked to me. Lily, do you love me? I said, yes, of course, Jesus. I love you. I love you. And I heard him say, feed my lamb. Same words as he told Peter. You see, God can use every one of us. All he needs is say yes. And I said yes. And so when we came back to St. James, they just happened to open up a program called RCRC. Many of you know RCIA is for adults, RCRC for children. And the deacon's wife and I, two of us, we started a program. But I didn't know what to teach. Every week I'll go to adoration and bring a little booklet and write down everything that Jesus wants me to teach. And that's how I got my lesson plans. The beauty of adoration is that Jesus is there. He will tell you things. At the beginning, it seems like nothing's happening. But even nothing's happening, everything's happening. 
Because like Father said, it's like the sunlight. You can't help it but get a gorgeous tan. But if you bring a book to journal in, you'll be surprised how much God is telling you. So after my husband retired and the kids grown to college, we decided to join the Peace Corps. And they sent us to Czechoslovakia. You know, after the communist Czechoslovakia divided into Czech Republic and Slovak Republic. Czech is a richer country and Slovak is urban and poor. And that's where Peace Corps always sends to the third world. So there we went, and my job was to help them to start hospice. I don't know much about hospice, but I know how to get information. So I get all the information from this country, have them translated into Slovak, and I know we need money to start a hospice center. So I had many concerts. We had rummage sales. I even did a cooking demo for them where the mayor, ambassador, everybody came. We raised a lot of money. In two years before I left, we had a grand opening of hospice with ribbon cutting, champagnes to celebrate. It was so wonderful. But there is a verse in the Bible that says, unless God builds the house, you build it in vain. Hmm? Shortly after coming back, a friend told me who lived in Slovakia. She says, I'm so sorry to tell you, the hospice center's closed. Why? I worked two years so hard for that. Well, you know, the government in Slovakia, they still think like a communist because that country has been under communism for 20, 30 years. So they say, we know nothing about hospice. We have no rules and regulation to control it. So, we're going to close it. And when the government say close, it's closed. No questions asked. <laughs> but when I was there, not, not everything's lost. I went to church every morning, and the priest never came to visit me. I never had a conversation with him. One day, he came to visit, and I was so excited. So I prepared cookies and tea, everything. But to my disappointment, he did not come just to see me, no. He was asking me for money. Money to help him rebuild a little chapel among the hospital complex. There was a hospital complex with many buildings. Under communism, they closed down the chapel and they divided up into many rooms for the patients. But now that communists no longer exist, they give it back to the church. But they need the money to remodel. Well, peace court and religion, they say, don't mix. So I told the priest, I would think about it. I will pray about it. And when I was praying to God, Jesus said, if I ask you for help, would you help me? I said, of course, God. I I would never refuse you anything. And Jesus said, it was I who came. That was it. That's all I need to hear. Right away, I went to my office. See, when God asks us to do something, it's so easy. Don't be afraid to say yes. He opened doors. All I did is went to my office, typed my letter, saying to all my friends, relatives, everyone that I can think of, money came coming in. 
every week check, check, check. My brother sister gave the biggest checks. And this little chapel in one and a half year after I came back, it's completely remodeled. They sent me a postcard, beautiful inside out. It wasn't much money. I only raised less than $10,000. But they, this little chapel is still standing today. See, this is to show you. You can do all you want, all the work for this world is wonderful. But when God asks you to do something, it lasts forever. You are building treasures in heaven. So after we came back from Peace Corps, we were told to have a physical examination, right? And after the mammogram, they found out that I had cancer. It was a big disappointment for both my husband and I because we bought a round-the-world ticket. We went half the round the world, came back for Christmas, thinking after Christmas we can go back to the other half. We had to cancel everything, everything. After surgery, I had three months of chemotherapy, lost all my hair, and then after our 33rd wedding anniversary, in fact, today's the day, January the 23rd, my husband passed away. All of a sudden, that same morning, I said goodbye to him twice. See, God knew that I wasn't going to see him. I was going to the Bible study, and I kissed him goodbye, and then walked out. Oh, forgot my Bible, went back, get my Bible, and kissed him again. He was working on the ninth stand for our daughter. He was in perfect health, perfect. And I'm the one wearing a wig. <laughs> and when I came back from Bible study, he was in bed. I thought he was taking a nap, but according to autopsy, what happened is that he had aneurysm in the brain. He only actually suffered five to 10 minutes from a headache. And he most likely thought, if I go lay down, that I would, the headache would just go away. Little did he knew that was the end. God took him. It was a shock to everyone. Everybody thought when 911 came was for me, not for him, because I just finished chemotherapy. You know, again, I thank God today for all these trials. Why? Because of this, God gave me new avenues, new doors open, a new beginning, a new life. God gave me a vision. I'm sharing this vision for you because I know many of you think that you are alone in this world, that no one's taking care of you, especially for those who are divorced, widows, or whatever. In my vision, I saw a big limousine. You know, I love limousines. <laughs> so God always gave us the vision that speaks our language. The driver came out and opened the door, and I look at the driver, it was Jesus. And he says, Lily, get in. From now on, I will take you places you've never been. I will never dream in my life that I'll be in a healing ministry. <coughs> but now that I have experienced so much trials, traumas, sufferings, illnesses, when I pray with people, people know I have so much love, compassion, and I understand what they are going through. I can say, yes, I know how you feel, especially those who have cancer. I knew how you feel, those elderly, because I can barely get up. I have no energy. I knew how they feel, so 
Now, God can use broken vessels. And that's where it is, you know? God does not chose perfect. God chose the 12 disciples, and many of them were fishermen, and they were not highly educated. God chose each one of us. We can do great work for you. And in the healing ministry, I found the major block to healing is unforgiveness. I want to share your last story. It's about me and my mother-in-law. I'm sure many of you can relate to that. <laughs> my mother-in-law and I, we started off the wrong foot. Two weeks before we were getting married, she was living in Taiwan. We were living in Cornell. She called my husband, cancel your wedding. If you do not cancel your wedding, we are not going to support you financially anymore. My husband was still trying to finish his master's degree. I already finished mine. And I was teaching at Cornell University at that time. So my husband says, no, we are going to go ahead and get married. I supported my husband. And for five years, never met his parents. She never called, she never wrote, she never visited, as hoping maybe we would divorce, I don't know. She, she never met me, so, she, you know, she had great plans for her son. She wanted her son to be a PhD, to be a professor, but that wasn't my husband's dream. He never wanted to be a professor at university. So finally, when I had the first baby, my daughter was born, she finally came with a big diamond ring, and hopefully everything's fine. But from that day on, our relationship always had many glitches. Seems like I can never live up to her expectations. She found everything I did wasn't right. So, one Christmas, before Christmas, I remember very well, I was driving from church to home, and they were about to come, my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law. And I told God, I said, I don't know how I'm going to survive another Christmas. All this, you know, negative tensions going on. And guess what God said to me? Forgive your mother-in-law. I said, okay, that is the solution. I forgive her. I forgive everything she said and did in the past. Then I realized that I need God to forgive me. Because all those years, I was trying to avoid her. <laughs> because every time around her, it was so painful. So I told God, I said, I'm so sorry for all the times I have not loved her. And I need to forgive myself for going through all this. See, forgiveness is three levels. Someone else asked God to forgive me, and I forgive myself. And that Christmas, everything changed. He said, this is what happened when we forgive. She still continues to t say negative things, but it doesn't hurt anymore. You know why? Because when you have a big wound cut, let's say, and somebody puts some salt on it, guess what? Ooh. But if your wound is healed, they can put all the salt they want. It doesn't affect you. And for your information, now my mother-in-law is 93 years old. And she sent me a card that says, Lily, you are like a daughter to me. And she even gave me this beautiful outfit for my birthday. You see? And God's blessing her too. She has a boyfriend at 93. <laughs> when you forgive, this is what God can do. When we don't forgive, 
we are like crunching rocks in our hand. And if people come close to you, all you can do is punch. Yes? Your heart is hardened. God cannot pour any healing, love, and grace or even blessings upon you. But when you forgive, look what happened to my mother-in-law. I mean, she forgave herself. She forgave me. She forgave everyone. Of all people, you think she will be a bitter woman. Her husband died very early, and she lost three sons. All her sons died. So you see, but she lived today. I just talked to her last night, and she is healthy and well. That is what blessing does. You know, this is the year of mercy. Pope Francis told us to be merciful. What more merciful is to forgive others, forgive ourselves. Many of us carry burdens that sometimes easier to forgive other people than forgive ourselves. When we forgive ourselves and others, it will be a year of jubilee. And I want to read you the, the last chapter of my book, which is on the year of jubilee. And then, in my vision, I saw trumpets being played and people celebrating and rejoicing. I heard Jesus say to me, my loving child, it is good to stop and celebrate the milestones in your life. You need to recognize all the blessings that I've showered over you in the previous year. Let all past wrongdoings be wiped away with my precious blood. Let your life start with a clean slate. Rejoice and be glad. This is the year of jubilee for you. For I have redeemed you and forgiven all your past sins. All your family will be blessed because of you. You will return to me and I will shower you with my love and forgiveness. Let there be no more tears and shame. This is the year for you to rejoice in the Lord. Oh, loving Father, we thank and praise you for your words of wisdom. Thank you for all you have done for each one of us here and continue to bless us truly this year of Jubilee that we may love you and hear you and to serve you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this Magnificat podcast. Have you been touched by our time together? If so, for more information or to find a Magnificat chapter near you, go to our website at magnificat-ministry.org or visit us on social media. We would love to hear from you. You can also email us at magnificatcst at aol.com or call 504-828-MARY, M-A-R-Y. Until the next time, may God bless you.